My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There was no, uh, you know, financial, uh, you know, stress happening there. So that when, when you're in a, a position like that where you can choose your own destiny, if, if you like, uh, where you are able to make your own decisions. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with co-founder of Next for Sale, Liam Austin. We delve into his aspirations to become a professional soccer player in his teenage years, how his parents played a pivotal role in him jumping into investing in property, an unbelievable story about the first property he purchased and much, much more. Liam Austin started the company Next for Sale and we learn about how his company is able to help property investors. I'm the co-founder of Next for Sale which is a, a new software tool for property investors as well as new home buyers uh, that uncovers uh, distressed tro- property. So it allows you as a buyer to buy below market value uh, and gain that instant equity, unlock that instant equity from the property to grow and grow your property investment portfolio. We learn about what a typical day looks like for Austin and where he is currently located. I'm living in Malta at the moment, so uh, I normally wake up, eat some breakfast, uh, head off to, to the office. Uh, it's about an eight-minute drive. Yeah, I've timed it eight minutes <laughs> um, and uh, sit, sit down into the office uh, and get stuck into uh, either our forum where we are replying to our community uh, into the emails and replying to any uh, emails that have been filtered through to me via uh, our virtual assistant. And I'm working with with my partner, Sarah, uh, as well as uh, co-founder and next for sale, Alex, uh, on those businesses uh, where I'm looking to grow my uh, email list, authority, uh, my network of influencers, uh, and make an impact as well as make uh, some revenue via these virtual events and conferences that we run, uh, one in the Australian property market, the Australian Property Investor Show, and the others are for small businesses, how to generate leads and sales online. He shares a little bit about his background and where he grew up. Grew up in Putney, lived there uh, throughout the whole school, right from when I was born, same house uh, in, in Putney. I uh, went to Brony Park Primary School, which is a local school, 
then off to high school, which was uh, Westfield Sports High School out in Fairfield, and then locally Holy Cross College in Ryde for the last couple of years uh, before I, I headed off uh, overseas. And uh, since then, I've really been back and forth between between Australia and, and living overseas. Currently residing in Malta, we find out about how he ended up there and what he did after high school. This is uh, quite a, uh, I don't know, an adventure, I suppose, uh, we're looking back, but uh, from leaving school, uh, I went uh, overseas and lived in the UK for a little while. Uh, and I think, like most most people, young Australians do, kind of head off to, to London. Uh, and so I spent almost a year over there, uh, and then headed back to Australia. Uh, and to, to summarise it, and we can delve into maybe to the into it a little bit deeper. But I, I purchased a, a property. Uh, in in Sydney, I then travelled uh, to South America for for a year. I uh, then bought uh, another property, and uh, when I returned to Australia, uh, and again I, I went travelling again. From that, I I started my own online business uh, to help facilitate uh, my my travels. <laughs> the whole idea of you know property investment and and building your wealth, gaining some passive income, and creating that cash flow. Uh, I've taken those lessons and learnings into uh, my life. So I was looking at okay, well, starting an online business and creating um, a passive income flow um, through some automated uh, online marketing businesses that I run. I talked about the uh, the virtual summits and online conferences that we do. So that's uh, really facilitated my lifestyle now, uh, where I have a my partner is uh, Swedish, so we've lived in Sweden for a little while, uh, Thailand, as well as now now Malta. He has travelled all over the world, but we hear the story about the period of time he spent in the UK. So I played uh, soccer or, or football uh, growing up, and I was. Uh, scouted by uh, a couple of teams over in uh, the UK to go and uh, play and, and trial with them. So I ended up um, playing a season over there and on my return to Australia, I ended up um, signing a professional contract with uh, the Wollongong Wolves, which played in uh, the National uh, Soccer League, that's what it was called at the time, now called the A-League. Uh, so I played there for uh, four years until really the, the National Soccer League uh, ended and uh, unfortunately just folded and uh, was reignited by, by the A-League but by then I was uh, overseas again and living in Spain. His younger years were spent on trying to achieve his dreams and become a professional soccer player. You're in London and you're out in the cold each morning uh, running around on uh, muddy, well what was and should have been muddy uh, wet ground, but uh, those uh, mud that mud had frozen a lot of the mornings, so the, the ground was uh, a very uneven from uh, previous days uh, running around in, in the mud and training in the mud. So uh, it became a bit uh, of, a, of an experience uh, having grown grown up playing soccer. I mentioned that I went to um, Westfield Sports High School in, in Fairfield, where it's uh, <clears throat> out west of Sydney, where it does get quite hot. Uh, so we were training in uh, you know 30 plus degrees heats uh, a lot of the time, and to then go to the UK and um, 
experience the complete opposite where you're, you're training with gloves and a beanie and, and sometimes even a scarf. Uh, it's, uh, it's, certainly, <laughs> it's certainly something that's uh, stuck in my mind. After coming to the realization that his soccer career probably wasn't going to pan out, he got a job that quickly put him on the right track. When it comes to professional soccer, football uh, in Australia, uh, back then, which was uh, like the year 2001, I, I believe, uh, it was it's a, it was a semi-professional setup. We just didn't really have the the audience, uh, the TV coverage, uh, the media coverage, and the sponsorship to really really grow the game. So a lot of the players were were part time. So. Uh, I went to, to university as well as worked a part-time job and uh, was, you know, training in, in the evenings. Um, and so when, when I came back, I went and studied at Macquarie University doing a marketing and economics degree. So I finished that in, in three years. Uh, and my f- first real job uh, when I came back was working for a, a startup in the internet space and they were doing just some really interesting things and where I was watching people purchase consumers purchase uh, from all around the world on a daily basis uh, this uh, service and product that they were providing and I just realized like it was a small team I think I was like the fourth person uh, who, who joined the team at the time and there was like hundreds of you know, sales coming through per day and thousands of new, uh, you know, trial lists and registrations. And it was just amazing to see that you could grow a business in, in such a small team with the power of, of the internet. And we all know, uh, you know, the Facebooks and, and Tinders of the world and how, how big they've grown. Uh, and at the time, this was all new to me. And so since then, really, that has yeah, dictated the rest of, rest of my life, realizing that, hey, this is maybe going to be able to facilitate my, my urge to travel the world and, and experience different cultures and uh, live that lifestyle that um, I really wanted to live. And so since really then, I've been looking at and trialing and testing different ways that I could uh, create an online business. And you know, there's been a, there's been a lot of failures along the way where I was, you know, doing and launching some new products and services online, and some were able to bring in, you know, a, a little bit of money, but really not enough to, you know, facilitate that dream lifestyle, traveling the world, and uh, so I struggled for a long time. And it wasn't really until I found uh, uh, the virtual summit and were creating these online conferences that uh, the business really took off. Austin shares the businesses that he was involved in that didn't work, but that inspired him to start working on the current business he's in. The startup that I was working with uh, was called uh, Soulmates Technology, uh, which ended up selling out to, to Match.com. Uh, Match.com are the owners of, of Tinder. And so it was uh, a white-labeled uh, online dating uh, software and technology. So we were white-labeling the technology and partnering with sites like um, MSN, so Microsoft and, and Yahoo and others, uh, and powering their dating sections of their their websites. And uh, as part of that uh, role, the the owner of the business and the co-founders decided that they would uh, give me a 
white label side of my own. So I ended up creating my own brand, my own registering my own domain. Uh, and since the product and service was being provided to me, I was able to just focus on uh, marketing this, uh, this website. So I got to learn about online marketing and, and um, you know, digital advertising. I was one of the first uh, advertisers uh, who uh, did some of the paid search advertising in Australia. Uh, so that was, uh, that was really interesting and, and a good experience. So uh, that really kicked it off. And from there, I've, I've worked with doing a travel-based website as well as uh, uh, like it, it was almost like a catalog website with uh, many different areas uh, where people could purchase different products and services from from ordering flowers online to to the travel and uh, travel was actually one of the categories that really stood out and was um, proving to to be making more money so that's when we actually moved into creating a, a travel website versus uh, you know moving away from the the catalog style website and so there was lots of learning along the way, but nothing really, really took off uh, on that journey. So it wasn't, as I mentioned, until we we started our first uh, virtual summit, which was the LinkedIn Success Summit, where we had 35 expert speakers talking about how to generate leads and sales from LinkedIn, that we saw uh, we had 15,000 people register for that e- online event in the space of just um, you know a few weeks. And we ended up making um, just under or just shy of a uh, hundred thousand uh, Aussie dollars uh, in that you know short period of time. It took us about three months to really, from conception to um, fulfilling and completing the event. Uh, but it was just a really powerful uh, influx and spike in in revenue and. Uh, registrations and interests and I'd never really seen that before across all the different businesses that I tested and tried there was an obvious strong demand and interest for uh, this online type of conference You never really know when inspiration can strike you and for Austin, it proved to him with the idea of creating his own business. With the online conferences and virtual summits, we've been running them since 2015. Uh, so, it's been you know, five years or so now uh, and I came across it through via a podcast. So, just listening to someone talking like a story similar to this uh, and seeing some of these virtual summits online, I started researching and, and signing up for them and, and seeing the value and the interest and the engagement from uh, the users and the attendees of the event uh, and the opportunity to take these attendees on uh, a journey through helping them solve their, their problems. So they're coming to an event to help solve a problem where they're meeting some of the top influencers in, in the market. They're getting some really valuable information that you know, if they had to go to an in-person, in-person conference, they may be spending hundreds or thousands of dollars to attend uh, these types of events. Uh, and suddenly they could attend them online from anywhere in the world. So they weren't they didn't have to travel and spend tickets on flights or hotels or taxis uh, or, you know, food whilst, whilst they're traveling and time away from their, their family. 
Uh, they could literally sit in front of their computer or any internet-connected device, so their mobile phone, and attend uh, this uh, online conference. So for me, I was just like, oh, wow, so let's let's see how we can maybe do this for ourselves. Maybe this is something that I can test that uh, can work. And so, uh, yeah, we, we decided to, to go ahead and <clears throat> see if we could uh, successfully host one of these uh, online conferences ourselves. Austin explains how the virtual summits work and explains how they differ from his other business, Next for Sale. I should um, distinguish that from the Next for Sale business. So, uh, Entrepreneurs HQ is uh, the business that uh, has was started via these virtual summits five years ago. I've been running um, virtual summits via Entrepreneurs HQ uh, since 2015. We've run 15 of these events, uh, which works out to be like four almost uh, per year uh, and that has been really yeah the main focus for us uh, and this is the second business that uh, I've just really um, came into is really <clears throat> really following a, a passion of mine which is uh, Australian property investment and so we are running a, a virtual summit uh, in in Australia um, which is the Australian property investment show and that is uh, really the way that we are looking to enter the market and launch this new um, tool for property investors, the Next for Sale uh, software tool, which uncovers the um, distressed property. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Liam Austin's journey and the role his parents played in his career. Watching them with their investments and, and talking about them over, over dinners and so forth really helped in, inspire me to kind of go down maybe a similar track. An extraordinary story you won't want to miss. I bought an apartment which is residential and now they're telling me um, something about um, having to turn uh, the apartment and the permits into a commercial uh Permits. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. We now hear about how he began his property investing journey and where that inspiration came from. I was living at home with my parents at the time and uh, they, they came home and uh, let me know that they'd put a deposit down on, on a on a property, on an apartment, and uh, I was I was intrigued by you know real estate and property. I'd, I've seen it all in the news and people talking about it, but never had seriously considered anything myself. And uh, so that really piqued my interest. I was like, "What? You just came home? You just uh, purchased a property? Like, yeah, we're just driving past this new development in in Rhodes in Sydney, and uh, we went in there just to check it out and." Uh, it looked great and um, the guy sold us on, a, on an apartment there. So I was like, well, you know, tell me more. So, you know, we, we had dinner and we, we talked about it some more and uh, they decided the next day they were going to take me to, to show me this new apartment. I was like, yeah, cool. This might be something that uh, I'd like to maybe invest in as well. I don't maybe have too much cash right now, but uh, let's, uh, let's uh, this, you know, this will be something, you know, interesting for me. So, uh we went across there the next day and um, I checked out the development, which <coughs> was really just mud, <coughs> excuse me, at the time, which uh, is now turned into 
uh, there was like thousands of apartments really being built there in Rhodes uh, alongside a brand new shopping centre that included uh, the first IKEA in, in Australia. So there was going to be a big uh, IKEA built right next door to, to these apartments. And they were just really selling the first couple of buildings in the development, which meant that uh, well, at least the salesperson was telling me, like, you know, if you get in now early, like the price is going to just keep increasing because uh, all these other developments are, are going to be uh, released and uh, they're going to have almost second choice, if you like, because uh, they're going to be paying more and they're going to be in not so much of a desirable location, whereas you're getting here early and we can, um, you know, give you a good deal. So, so I was like, okay, so how does this work? And he's like, well, we just need to put down a, uh, a small deposit today and uh, the build is going to take 18 months uh, and that's when you'll be required to pay the remaining deposit onto the property and get your home loan sorted and then you've got your your mortgage repayments um, from there. So uh, I decided to go ahead with the deposit and yeah, I've got a, you know, a couple of years to pull together the remaining cash. So, uh, so, uh, that worked out quite well in that I was able, I didn't have enough money right at the time, but it got me on the ladder and it got me saving, uh, knowing that I had this, uh, this bill that I needed to pay. And if I weren't able to pay that bill, then I was going to lose my initial, uh, deposit on the property. Austin's parents played a major role in his property journey. And we delve into how important it is to talk to people with experience in whatever field you're working in. Maybe it's a lesson that people have maybe gone through or learned themselves. Like, uh, you know, there's my, my parents are uh, people that I trust when it comes to, you know, financial decisions and uh, watching them with their investments. Uh, they encouraged me to invest into shares uh, a few years prior to that. So, um, they kind of sparked the interest uh, in me, and so uh, watching them with their investments and and talking about them over over dinners and so forth really helped in, inspire me to kind of go down maybe a similar track. So, you know, just being surrounded by the, the right people I think is so important. Uh, and you know, if you are seeing people that are being successful in their lives, and that, that's something that you want for for yourself, uh, I feel like it's really important to. Uh, you know, maybe connect with these people, uh, ask them how they've done it and let them know that maybe they inspire you, you're interested in, uh, you know, creating a similar type of lifestyle for yourself and how do you go about it. And so so for me, uh, that inspiration was really my parents to purchase that first property. Uh, and I think, you know, if you're, if you're sitting here listening to this and you haven't maybe purchased your first prop- investment property, uh, thinking about you know, who in, who's inspired you to think about property investment. I mean, why are you listening to this podcast, this episode? What is it that, uh, you know, drives you or ultimate, what is your ultimate goal with that? And, and maybe there's someone in your life that has, has achieved what you want to achieve. And if you can reach out to them and, um, see if they could possibly become a mentor or an advisor to help you along that track. I mean, that really is what helped me get off my, my bum, if you like, and uh, actually go ahead and, and make that investment and, and move forward and make that decision. Because uh, from what I've learned speaking to, to many different property investors and experts out there that have had lots of success, it's really about um, 
making that decision, getting in the market with you know a better performing property at a, at a better price and staying in there for, for the long term. We find out about the current situation of the first property that Austin bought and the incredible story behind it. I wasn't really had the, the cash or the available um, uh, you know, money in my bank account to be able to go and you know put down this big deposit and pay off a ton of equity. Like I had a little bit of an introduction where I can pay a small chunk of the deposit and wait a couple more years, save and earn some more and, and then pay the remainder. So um, when I was choosing the property, I realized like I'm probably going to have to really choose the um, least expensive property uh, <laughs> that's available in the in this development. So uh, there was two options for me uh, at that lower price. There was, you know, a few thousands in difference, but not too much. Uh, but one of the options was a both were two bedroom apartments, but one was uh, had a balcony at each end and was quite a thin, uh, long, longer style apartment. <clears throat> and uh, the other option was a, a corner apartment, which was a uh, ground floor, uh, but it had uh, a square, a squarish uh, layout where all the bedrooms flowed out into the the living space. Uh, and there was positive and negatives about, about both of them. But what was interesting was the the long, thin one. Uh, there was multiple different properties that had the exact same layout as this one, and the the corner apartment, which was ground floor, was was unique, and there was no other design like it. It actually had, because uh, it was ground floor, it had a bigger terrace uh, um, than. Uh, the ones above it uh, for their balconies. Uh, it had um, some nice greenery that was being going to be maintained by the uh, the strata, and uh, so and it actually had a nice outlook and, and some water views too. So uh, the what happened here really is that I ended up picking a really unique property that was scarce. There wasn't many like it, and so during the period of okay be, the build. Uh, and they were getting close to me having to pay the the remainder of the deposit. The developer, which was uh, Walker Corporation at the time, came to me and said, uh, we would like to rent out your property as a showroom for selling the remaining uh, developments and um, buildings that we, we have. And this it kind of took me on my next step in the journey and it was like, okay, well, I bought an apartment which is residential, and now they're telling me um, something about um, having to turn uh, the apartment and the permits into a commercial uh, permit. So uh, there was a lot there that I needed to learn, and I was like, okay, well, they're going to turn into a commercial property. Do commercial properties get more rent than residentials? Uh, if I sell it, it does the commercial uh, am I able to sell a commercial property for more than a residential property? He did some research on the site as the property was still being developed and was surprised by what he saw. This is a big decision for me, right? This is all my money going towards this thing. Is this uh, what I want to do and move forward with? Uh, and prior to them actually contacting me, I, because this was such a big investment for me and it was local to, to where I lived, uh, it was probably maybe a 10-minute drive, I would I would passed by the development to see how they were progressing and 
one of, as we got closer to this to the end, uh, I noticed that they'd put in a set of stairs uh, going up into the uh, into the terrace, uh, which shouldn't have been there. And I was like, "This is a bit weird. This is like some really wide stairs. Like this doesn't look like a, a personal set of stairs. This looks like a you know an entrance into uh, a shopping center or a uh, you know a." Com- a showroom, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, this is, this is a bit weird. And I, you know, I think I talked to someone there on the on the ground at the time and just said, oh, what's happening? They're like, oh, yeah, we're just you know building this into an office, and without them really knowing who I was. So uh, I realized that okay, they're they're looking and they've already invested in making and turning this into a showroom. So they've com- made this commitment, and I'm. It's putting me in a pretty good position knowing this information uh, so that when they approached me to ask if they could do this, <laughs> I knew that uh, I could ask for, say, better terms. So, inspired by Liam Austin's journey and that incredible story he shared with us, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Invest Story where we will reveal what happens next. So, I would get brand new furnishings and and finishings uh, to that apartment so that maybe all the other apartments in in my building would have been, say, seven years old and mine would have been brand new. We'll discuss what he wants to achieve in the near future. Looking at Growing Entrepreneurs HQ uh, running more of these online conferences uh, for ourselves, for our own business, but we also help our students uh, to run these online events for themselves uh, in various different industries. The personal habits which have been contributing to his success. Go for a run, uh, go for a swim, go for a walk, whatever it might be. Uh, I think that's really something that has helped me uh, be better f- Uh, make better decisions and and be more focused as well as just uh, be more happy as well. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.